welcome to the Everyday Extraordinary Podcast, where every week I interview a different amazing person who will share about their life journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm excited to share with you everyday people living their lives with purpose, perspective, and positivity. And my hope is that in hearing these stories, you'll view your own story as extraordinary too. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and I am so excited to get started. Thank you so much for being here. Hello everyone, this is Jessica, and this is episode number three of the Everyday Extraordinary Podcast. I'm so, so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for spreading the word that this new podcast title exists. We've been around here for a while. Extraordinary Moms is a special place of sharing motherhood journeys, and hopefully Everyday Extraordinary can just expand out on that mission. Not only will we share motherhood journeys, but we will also share journeys from all walks of life and that makes me so excited. So if you ever know somebody that is truly extraordinary, that is just doing their life in just a meaningful, incredible way, will you email me jessicadalquist at gmail.com? Tell me a little bit about them and what makes them extraordinary and I would love to potentially have them on the show. Thank you so much for being my eyes and ears in the world. (laughs) Today I have an incredible guest. Her name is Hallie Graves. Hallie is a foster mom. She's a single foster mom, in fact, and she's worked in the foster community for a very long time. And we're going to talk about her mission in that field and what she's learned from her experiences. I've covered foster care um, several times on the show before, and You know, there's just a lot of misconceptions, and I love clearing up those misconceptions, teaching and educating on how we can help support foster care families, get involved, and really make a difference in this community that is underserved, unrecognized, and just has staggering stats. So I'm so excited to chat with Hallie about her amazing journey today. So let's get to it with Hallie Graves. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Hallie Graves this morning. Hi, Hallie. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Good. Having a, having a good, slow morning so far. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Happy New Year. How's your 2019 starting out? It started out kind of crazy, actually, because I, so I'm a foster mom, and I right now I'm fostering newborns and young infants, so I actually got a new baby on Christmas Eve, so our new year was uh, kind of trying to navigate things with a new baby that I was getting to know and all of that stuff. So it was a little bit, (laughs) a little bit uh, different for me. Yeah, absolutely. You have been in foster care a long, long time. And so I'm sure that helps you to grow accustomed to the uncertainty and just kind of rolling with things and stuff. And we're going to dig deeper into this. But when I started hearing about your story and your passion for the foster care system and these children and being in it for so many years, I just had to know more. So I'm really, really excited to chat with you today. Awesome. Yeah, I I love sharing my story. I love talking to people about foster care and being, I'm a single parent as well. So I love talking about those things and hopefully encouraging people to get involved in whatever way they can. Yes. Oh, so, so good. So let's just go back a little bit. Um, How did you get into the foster care system and in what capacities did you, did you start? Has this always been on your heart? Yeah. So I actually first started with foster care when I was 16 years old. So I, my high school national honor society um, did a project where we threw birthday parties for kids at our local children's shelter 
Mm -hmm. So we would go once a month and all the kids that had birthdays in that month, we would celebrate and bring, you know, cupcakes and do games and all this stuff. And that was the first time that I met kids that I knew were in foster care. Um, All of those kids were at an emergency shelter. So they'd all been removed from their homes in emergency situations and were kind of living in group homes by age. Um, And I was just, I had no idea this world even existed. I didn't know anything about foster care. I'd never met a kid in foster care before and was just immediately like totally taken in because all of these kids were just regular kids, you know, teenagers and younger kids and all were, you know, very thrown off because they had been taken from everything they'd known. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of started thinking about that and I really just liked it. I've always loved kids too. I'm the oldest of four kids and I was a camp counselor and, you know, all the things and have babysat and nannied my whole life. And so I just, it was a very natural fit for me. And I've really been involved in one way or another in foster care since that time. So it's been about 17 years now of being (laughs) involved in the system in a lot of different ways. I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Branch Basics. I am loving Branch Basics cleaning products. Did you know that the ingredients in cleaning products don't have to be labeled? Yeah, so there's just toxic chemicals spread all over the surfaces of your home. And I have three kids. I care about what I'm bringing into my home, and yet I'm thinking that the products I'm buying at Target are safe. No, no. That is why I loved finding out about Branch Basics. I spoke with the founders and you guys, their story of how these products came to be because they cared so much about non-toxic, plant-based, non-harmful, no preservatives, non-GMO, all these things. They cared about that in their own homes and they have solved this problem for so many others now. The cool thing is Branch Basics is easy to use and you just pick up a refillable bottle fill it with water and Branch Basics Concentrate, you shake it and you use it. And it can be used on windows, bathrooms, kitchen counters, laundry, washing your face and hands, dishes, and more. It's really amazing, it's so versatile, and I have loved using it in my home. So choose to clean your home safely and effectively with Branch Basics. My listeners get 15% off of a starter kit by going to branchbasics.com and entering my code EMP at checkout. That's branchbasics.com with promo code EMP to get 15% off your starter kit. Branchbasics.com with promo code EMP. Thank you so much, Branch Basics, for sponsoring the show. Let's get back to it. Wow. So it sounds like you didn't really have many preconceived notions about it. You didn't really you weren't really aware of this world was there anything that you did think inaccurately about the system until you got involved in it I think um you know even before I got involved and then when I was involved in different ways you sort of you know have a I had an impression I guess of kids being from certain backgrounds being really different from me as a teenager or really different you know in terms of what they want and what they're and and that's just not been my experience since I've gotten to know these kids. Um, There are certain kids who have different behaviors because they've experienced significant trauma. And, um, but really at the end of the day, all of them want exactly what every other kid wants. Um, You know, that even the ones who've had really, really massive trauma still want the, you know, want their friends to like them at school and they want to do well and they want to be loved. And, you know, so I think I really learned a lot about that. And, and over the last few years, as I've been a foster parent and have been involved in the court side of these cases, I have been working to kind of break down some of the things I thought about their families, which mm-hmm. I think is, for me, a little bit harder. I, 
I never have had a problem just being in love with kids in foster care, even when they are exhibiting some difficult behavior. Um, but it's, you know, just sort of where they come from can be a little bit harder to have grace for and relate to. But I think it's a really important part of the process as well. I totally agree. I've covered this topic several times on the podcast before. And um, one of my other guests also spoke to, you know, one of the mothers, the biological mothers of a child that she fostered. She said, you know, you could walk by her on the street and never know the day before she just handed over her child, you know, for temporary placement in the foster care system. And Mm -hmm. it really does kind of crack your heart wide open to you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, there are some bad people in the world, you know, in all capacities, but there are some people that are literally just doing the best they can with what they know and what their norm is. And for some of us, we are way more privileged than others to have a safe norm than, than others. And I have, yeah, my mind has just been blown by that awareness because I definitely had preconceived notions about exactly what you're speaking to. How did you even find out about the birthday party thing? Because I'm wondering, well, is that in my area? Could I do that? How do you find out about these types of things? You can just jump in and get involved. Yeah, there are a lot of foster support organizations, um, pretty much in most areas. Um, You know, I always tell people I would just Google foster care or foster agency and your city name and just kind of poke around and see what's available. Um, I live in Austin, Texas, and we have just an incredible number of groups that do all different angles of support. So we have a um, an organization that provides a box. It's called a birthday box that they give to foster parents to basically throw a birthday party for their kids. So you can say, you know, my kid's really into Paw Patrol and everything is themed like that. And it's just, you know, another way to kind of support. Um, there are lots of kid interaction volunteer roles. Um So here in Austin, we have um, a children's shelter where kids live kind of more longer term who need additional support, like they need therapy every day and things like that. But you can go and, you know, grab a group of friends from, you know, your neighborhood or church or school or whatever and go and, like, play sports with the kids at the same time every week. You know, it's just things like that that are really normal. Like, we're going to go throw the basketball around every Tuesday afternoon with these kids and um, so yeah, I, I would say just kind of Google around within your area. Um, a lot of the children's shelters or group homes for children or the sort of outside uh, foster support groups will have volunteer opportunities. Um, also, a lot of the hospitals have uh, volunteer roles. So in, in college, I went to college in Memphis, Tennessee, and I volunteered at a hospital visiting babies who were in um, CPS custody but did not have a current placement. So a lot of them didn't have any visitors. So you would come and, you know, spend four hours like feeding them, rocking them, just holding them and giving them contact. And um, so there are, there are things like that everywhere. Um, just kind of ways to sort of fit in here and there. And a lot of them are really things we would enjoy doing also. Oh, I can, I would just love that. What a great way to spend your time cuddling a little baby and especially knowing there's no other arms for them right at this moment. And you can be that. I think what's really cool, what that you've really hit on is that some people who are listening are thinking, I would never like Google foster care because I don't feel called to be a foster parent. Right? And so that would just right. never be in their Google search or they would never feel compelled. But I hope that by hearing your story and um, by hearing this conversation, that they'll be encouraged to, whether it's foster care or another you know, type of thing that they feel passionate about, you know, in terms of outreach or 
supporting children in their communities and stuff. It doesn't have to be that you're the foster parent. It can be supporting other foster families or kids, you know, at these group homes and things. Um, Susan Ramirez from Austin Angels was on the show. And gosh, what an eye-opening experience that there's so many opportunities to support the families. And oh, I just yeah. I just get lit up about this. This is just so great. Yeah, it's, it's really important because, you know, I feel like in my foster journey, you know, for every one foster parent, you probably need like, 10 other people mm. who aren't fostering to be supporting you because in every way, you know, I always talk about like foster parenting feels kind of like ninja level parenting. Um, Cause it, you know, you take all of the stuff about being a normal parent and having a child and caring for that child. And then you add on top of that, all of the uncertainty about foster care and all of the unknowns about, how things are going to turn out. And then you also add having repeated children over and over again. So there are just a lot of sort of special needs that you have in foster care. And even Austin Angels has been one of our biggest supporters. And my first foster son that was here for a year had his own little um, love box, which is what Austin Angels does. And so he had a person who met with him monthly with me because he's a baby, but, um, and they brought him stuff and just helped him have another person who was, loving him and, you know, looking after him. And so I'm, I'm a huge fan of not everyone should be a foster parent and not just because not everyone wants to do that, but also it really, I think, takes a specific person mm -hmm. to do it um, long-term and be okay with doing it. But there are a lot of ways to be involved that are nothing close to 24-7 parenting someone else's child. That is such a great idea because – yeah, there's so many things that the foster parents are already thinking about meeting their specific needs and their their urgent needs. So yeah, planning the birthday party may not be something, you know, in addition, they're able to pile on. So if somebody can step in and, and support them in that way, great, great. And so tell me about all the different ways over the past 17 years that you have been involved in the system. And yeah, I'm just curious. So I started out, like I said, um, throwing birthday parties for kids mm -hmm. at the home shelter in Austin. And then I, during college, was rocking babies at the hospital. I did that for uh, four years while I was in college in Memphis. And then um, after college, I went to law school in Dallas. And I was a part of a clinic there in law school that provided representation for kids in CPS cases. So I was actually the lawyer for children in their CPS cases. Um, every child around the country is appointed a lawyer when their CPS case starts. And so that's the person kind of fighting for the child's rights and what's best for the child in a case. So I did that. Um, and then after law school, I became a CASA volunteer, um, which is court appointed special advocate. And that's a person who is the guardian um, in the court case for the child. And basically it's a non-lawyer role. It's, it's a person who, volunteers to find out everything about the kid and everything about the case and visit the child and then tell the judge in the court case what they think the kid needs, um, whether everything is going well, everything from the child's visit schedule with their family to a plan to reunite the child or not, um, everything about the case. So I did that in Dallas for a few years. And then I also in Dallas was a mentor for teenage girls who were living in a group home for teenagers. Um, and I was sort of supposed to help teach life skills to them every week. Although it's pretty funny because at the time I was 
I don't know, maybe 24, 25. And many of the things I was teaching them, I had put zero thought into in my own life. Yeah, you know? totally. So, um, so I was, you know, we'd, we'd have one week on laundry and I'd read all about it and think, I do none of these things. You know, I don't separate all the things. I still don't. I'm 33, but, um, so that was, that was a really fun time. And, and that was one of the, so these were teenagers who, could not live in individual foster homes just due to behaviors. So they'd sort of been escalated out of individual families and put into a group home with 24 seven supervision and trained staff. Mm. Um, and many of them were going to age out of the system, meaning they would leave foster care when they're, you know, 18 years old um, without ever being adopted or anything like that. So it was really, really, really crit- critical that they have, the skills to live independently as a 17 or 18 year old, which I certainly didn't. And I had an enormous safety net, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that, that was one of the most impactful things I did in foster care because I spent so much time with them that I would, you know, just think about everything about what would have been like to be 18 years old and just one day have to go out and find an apartment and a job, decide if I'm going to continue my education try to remove myself from groups of people I've been hanging out with that aren't going to be helpful for me. Um, I have no one, if if something goes badly, if I lose my job or I get kicked out of my apartment or I get arrested, there's literally not one safe adult that I can pick up the phone and say, Hey, I messed up. I need help. Um, That was kind of one of those biggest eye opening moments for me to say, you know, even the kids that are wanting with everything in them to have a successful life and be able to live independently. It's just, it is such an uphill battle for them. Um, and so that, that really kind of gave me a heart for teenagers in foster care. And then I moved back to Austin um, about four years ago. And I've, I've been on the board of some foster organizations here in Austin. And then I became a foster parent. So that's sort of my very long wow. journey through foster care so far. Okay. If anybody's wondering what makes you extraordinary, that little bio sums it up. I'm loving this conversation with Hallie, but I want to thank another show sponsor, and that is Myro. Myro's making deodorant better. I've been using Myro for the last three months or so, and I am never going back to that drugstore stuff with mess scents and you know chemicals and all those things. Myro delivers obsession-worthy, naturally effective deodorant that looks as good as it smells. They make their natural deodorant with a custom blend of essential oils that release over time to give you fresh and barley powder to keep you dry. Their formula is hardworking, long-lasting, and non-toxic anything. 0% aluminum, zero parabens. Their ingredients are clinically tested for safety and efficacy. So you can choose your scent and the color of your case. You get a refresh every three months, and so you just refill the canister that you picked. It's delivered straight to your door, conveniently timed for when people run out, and you can switch scents if you want. It is so cool. I have loved using Myro. I feel just as dry as I have with any other ones, and it's natural. So if you want 50% off of your first order, you can get started today for just $5. Visit mymyro.com and then slash EE and use promo code EE. That's 50% off your first order and get started for $5. Visit mymyro.com slash EE and use promo code EE at checkout for that special deal. I'm loving it, and I know you will too. Thank you so much to Myro for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to my conversation with Hallie. I love this so much. Okay, I want to go back to the teen girls a little bit and talking about that. You know the stats when kids age out of the system. Like, it is 
heartbreakingly staggering. And there's not good odds that they're not going to be incarcerated or homeless or anything like that. So as you have face-to-face interaction with these girls that are very at risk for all of those paths, what were you really intentional about? Or what did you learn over time in conversation with them that really helped you to know what they needed to know the most? How did you instill in them how to get on the right path and stay on the right path? And how do you even begin? Well, I think the most important thing I found is instilling, which is just hard to do, but instilling a sense that they are worth fighting for mm-hmm. and worth believing in. And I mean, many, many of these young ladies have been in the system maybe from birth and just bounced around or maybe they've been in and out of foster care or living with different relatives and so it is just really hard by that time you know when you're a 15 16 17 year old not to think like no one no one has wanted to adopt me or even keep me for any long period of time in my entire life Mm -hmm. um and a lot of them have you know kind of black marks against them socially like they've been maybe arrested maybe they've had a pregnancy, you know, different things. They've gotten in trouble at school. Um, And so I think even just starting from a place of, you know, whatever has been your story in the past, you are 100% valuable and you're worth someone connecting with. And I think that you can have a life that you want to have going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that's that's just a, has to be a starting point beyond like, here's how you Google this and that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I would say that I think is a really helpful thing is trying to convince them that there are some adults that want to help them and that they can reach out to because for very good reasons, a lot of them have significant distrust of authority figures, you know, police, doctors, you know, teachers, um, social workers, things like that. And um, truthfully, many of those people have let them down or have made their lives difficult. And so I think saying, you know, if, if I were in trouble, if I, you know, was unjustly accused of doing something, I would feel comfortable given my history and where I've grown up in reaching out to people whose jobs are to help me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when you, when that trust breaks down, it's really hard to say there are still some adults. I know that adults have hurt you a lot. There are still some people who want to help you. And so I think just helping them understand if you get in this situation, here are the people that you're going to call. If, If you're in this situation, you know, if you run out of food, these are the places that you're going to start. Like, tell somebody that you need help. Um, so I, I think those are kind of the two biggest things that I thought about beyond just the nitty-gritty of things. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's kind of the, all the stuff that, that any teenager needs to know, too. You know, I remember having a conversation. So we were in sort of the uptown area of Dallas, and I remember you know, it's a really nice area of town. I remember we were going through a series on how to rent an apartment, and one of their assignments was to find – information about apartments and how much the rent costs and kind of make a little budget. And all of them had selected, you know, high rise apartments for young professionals in (laughs) Dallas. Um, Like where I lived as a young lawyer in a big law firm. And so we had conversations, which I would have done the same thing at 17. I mean, you know, you're like, if I'm making a hypothetical model, I would like to live in this apartment that's $2,200 a month. And so then we had to have a talk about, you know, if that's what you want, then you're going to go on, you know, this is the path we're going to get on so that you finish your education and you, you know, get a job that pays well and all of these things. But just some of that realistic life stuff that you go through with any teenager where you're thinking, um, 
the life that you want and the life that you are going to be able to have immediately are different things as mm-hmm. they are for many, many people. And so there was a lot of kind of comic relief in that sort of thing as well. This just with normal teenagers. Totally. Well, it means like the mash game, right? Like the mansion, apartment, whatever. And it's like, yeah, everyone wants the mansion. Everyone wants the, the fancy stuff mm-hmm. and that. That's another example of more like than different in this situation. Yeah, every 18-year-old would love that. Totally. Are there any stories that you can share of children or teens that you've worked with that have gone on to be successful and to have wonderful, thriving lives, I'm sure in large part to support from wonderful people like you? Yeah, I actually, I know a number of foster parents who are foster parents because they were foster children in the system. Mm. Um, and I've actually, you know, there are a number of social workers as well who became social workers because of their time in the system. Um, so I think there there are a lot of sort of what you would call success stories. Um, and really it is having, they always say having one adult who is, safe and intentionally investing in your life can really change your entire course of, of your life. And it it sounds kind of dramatic, but I've seen that happen so many times where people will say, you know, my high school track coach let me sleep on his couch when my, you know, parents were doing drugs at home. And because of him, I graduated high school and I, you know, kind of went on to do other things. And, um, so, I think it's, yeah, really, really possible to do that. Some of the young ladies I worked with at um, the home in Dallas were, you know, graduating and going to community college, and then they would transfer into a four-year college. And a lot of them have really lofty goals that I think are very attainable. They just kind of need to get over the gap of that's difficult for pretty much every American teenager, you know, sort of the, like, 17 to 24 time period. Um, and once their brains are really fully formed and can sort of start to learn to work with the trauma that they have, you know, experienced, I think they can really be set up for success. And I've, I've seen that a, a lot of times. And I've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of, they call them FFY, which is former foster youth, um, mm. who, you know, do motivational speaking and go and talk to groups of foster kids or foster parents. Um, and it's just been it always just brings me to tears, like happy tears, because it's not, I don't think it's that exceptional. You know, I don't think it's like, you're the one person that made it out. But as you mentioned, the statistics just are not good um, for kids coming from that background. And um, it's one of the many, many reasons that I'm so passionate about foster care in particular is because I think working on keeping families together, keeping families safe, prevention methods, or if not, if that's not possible, keeping kids in uh, stable, loving homes, you know, as long as we can really affects all of those other things that we want to work on as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we catch a kid when they are in the homelessness phase after foster care, um, it's because we weren't able to help them while they were in foster care. And so to me, it makes a lot of sense to invest time and money in the foster care system, in early childhood, in training on trauma for teachers and medical professionals and parents and all of these things, because we can really reduce a lot of the things that cost us a ton of money and really hurt them and our society down the road, you know, and I I kind of always tell people, you know, it's 
over a thousand dollars a month to have someone in prison, just the cost to us, like they're sort of rent in prison. Some of the places are two, three thousand dollars a month. Um, if you put that money or even a fraction of it into the child when they're in foster care, in therapy, in you know anything that they need, you could save just I don't even know how much money. So I, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me for those kind of early efforts to pay out in huge dividends over time. And so you decided to become a foster parent. You're a foster parent now, and you have been for how long? I have been a foster parent for 13 months now. Okay, 13 months. And you're a single foster parent. And was that a hard decision, deciding, okay, I'm going to be at the beck and call of any child that needs me? And and like you said, the beginning of 2019 was a complete whirlwind. You had a child in your care in the hospital as of yesterday even. You know, like... That's a big, tall order, especially to do on your own. How did you make that decision, and how has it been for you? So I really, ever since I met kids when I was 16 who were in foster care, I have known that I would be a foster parent. I envisioned it would be, you know, I'd graduate college and go to grad school, and then I'd get married and have a few biological children, and I'd kind of practice with them, you know, and then eventually (laughs) I would have foster kids and we do it as a family and I had this whole vision and um, when I turned 30 I started thinking you know okay I haven't gotten married I haven't had biological children yet but still have this desire to foster and I it really had not occurred to me until that point that I could legally you know do this as a single person and so I started thinking about what that would look like and I actually made a lot of really intentional decisions for my life over about a year period to move my life into a place where I could do it on my own. So I did things like I moved back from Dallas to Austin, which is my hometown. My parents live here. My sister lives here. And I had a community here that I thought I could really lean on to support me in doing foster care. I also was working for a really big law firm, and I I really enjoyed my job, but I could not envision how I would do foster care and work the kind of hours that I was working and travel all the time and things like that. So I left that job and started a different one. Um, I moved from a really cool downtown, you know, (laughs) single-person apartment to a place kind of more on the outskirts where I have more space. Um, Just started doing a lot of things, you know, a lot of my friends started having kids and I started talking to them about having, you know, different ages of kids and all of that. So I really kind of moved my life very intentionally over some time to be sort of ready to do that. And then I was officially licensed. Um, the, the process of becoming a foster parent, I did it over about a year. There are ways to do it much faster if you want, but I was sort of still adjusting things in my life. And so I did the classes and all the interviews and it is a, massive process to become a foster parent um but i finally got licensed last year um in 20 at the end of 2017 and the day that i was licensed my first foster son was born so i didn't find out about him that day but i he was born on december 29th and i got a call for him on january 2nd and he came to live with me on january 3rd so yeah it's been kind of non-stop since then i have had a placement with me for um, all but three of the last 13 months, three days in the last 13 months. So wow, that has been my journey so far. <laughs> what lucky kids. 
what lucky like they don't even know they don't even know because they're just little babies but they will know they will feel that from their infancy there was somebody that was safe for them i believe that i do all right, I wanted to interject just one last time and thank our final show sponsor, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. It's a new year, and achieving your 2019 goals is as easy as enjoying delicious home-cooked meals with HelloFresh. It makes it so easy with fresh, pre-measured ingredients, easy-to-follow, six-step picture recipe cards. Pictures are key. And they're delivered straight to your door each week in a special insulated box. And ultimately, you spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can get time back doing more of what you love. There's three plans to choose from. The classic, veggie, and family options with the option to switch between whatever you need when your tastes change. All the meals come together in 30 minutes max, call for less than two pots and pans, and require minimal cleanup. I've also personally loved cooking with new ingredients and learning new styles thanks to the picture recipe cards. And I've tried new things that I never would have made on my own, but they end up being so tasty. I love HelloFresh, and it has truly freed me up so much from having to think what's for dinner. I love it when that box appears on my doorstep, and I cannot recommend it enough. So to take advantage of HelloFresh's special offer for 2019, you can get $80 off your first month by going to HelloFresh.com slash EMP80 and enter EMP80. That's HelloFresh.com slash EMP80 and enter promo code EMP80 at checkout. It's basically like getting eight meals for free, so you have nothing to lose. Check that out, and everything's linked over on my website as well. Thank you so much, HelloFresh, for saving my dinners. Let's get back to the rest of my conversation with Hallie. And so how has this changed you as a person? You could have kept going in your single life. You could have going at the big law firm. My husband's a lawyer, you know, like moving on up, right? How I, this had to have changed you deeply, being exposed to this demographic in our world and being face-to-face. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, from the, from far away, things seem scary. And then up close, you know, that one person is not scary at all, you know. And I could think that a lot of people listening would think foster care is big and scary and intimidating, But when you get up close to the one, the one little boy that was in your home yesterday, the one that you were placed with 13 months ago, how are you different today than 13 months ago, even after years and years, you know, on the periphery of the system? Yeah. Um, I think that I'm, I'm, you know, I I feel like a completely different person or just my, my view on the world, I think, is very different. I feel like I have had so many of my assumptions about people and situations they're in be completely busted by meeting, like you said, the actual people, which I found to be true in pretty much every area of my life. You know, like you're saying, you, you know, you meet one person who you have a hard time kind of putting in a category. Like, Mm -hmm. do I agree with this? Do I not agree with this? You know, I thought I was against this thing or I thought this was always a bad thing or I thought someone in the situation must have made a bad choice or whatever. Um, that has just been totally exploded for me. And I think that all just the lines have been really blurred between, you know, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, what's what's the situation here. And I find myself a lot being in positions now where I'm defending um, the system. I'm defending 
CPS workers to people. I'm defending certainly the, the biological families of my kids, and that's something I feel very strongly about and I didn't really expect to be doing, you know, that I I don't agree with the decisions they've made that have placed their children in foster care, and I am saddened that their kids were in danger, but I also know way too much about them and their history to villainize them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so... I think that's changed a lot. And then honestly, this year, the hardest part for me of foster care by far is not knowing what's going to happen with kids because every foster parent says this, but you kind of have to just appreciate that you have that child for that day and that you're going to do everything you can to instill love and health and safety in them um, and see that as a win because you might get a call tomorrow if they're going somewhere and it might not be somewhere that you feel is very safe. Um, you might be told one thing. I mean, with both of the kids I've had, the word adoption has come up for both of them for me. Mm. And neither one of them wound up being adopted by me, even though I wanted to. So it's, you just really have to keep things with the most open hand and open heart that I've had to do with anything, because I've, I've never been in a situation before where I've had less control over it. Um, so it's really, really changed my perception of what kind of control I have over my life, over their lives. Um, and, you know, kind of really made me trust God a lot more in, in everything, but certainly in that situation, um, and just really focus on being present, which is, it's hard for me because I want to, you know, every time I have another child placed with me, I want to think about, you know, what are we going to do this month? Are you going to come on vacation with me in the summer? Are you going to whatever, you know, how long are you going to be here? Um, and it's just, it's, it's completely impossible and really kind of foolish. I've learned to go too far down that path. And so that that's been the hardest thing for me is just not knowing and not having control and learning to be happy that they are safe and healthy with you today and trying not to think too much about the future. Um, and, and I think also growing in compassion for the biological families. Absolutely. Mm, I love that. What a beautiful refining process. And yeah, this is the vehicle for you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, with this new format of Everyday Extraordinary, I asked my guests three final questions. And so I'm going to ask those of you now. What would you say is your purpose in life? I think my purpose in life is to encourage people to do whatever God has asked them to do. Um, Especially in this season right now, there are a lot of things that I do and have done even before foster care that other people are scared of. And Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of big and small things that we think we can't do just because we don't know how we would do it right in this moment. But, you know, whether it's write a book or have a hard conversation with somebody. Um, And so I love encouraging others and being encouraged myself to do the things that I'm being asked to do, the things that are being put in front of me and not worrying so much about how exactly that's going to look. So, that kind of purpose allows me to change it every five seconds because I am a total, like, I need a lot of change. I like things to be different all the time. And so I try to incorporate that in whatever I'm doing, even if it looks really different from what I was doing yesterday. <laughs> yeah. The why stays the same, but the how is constantly evolving. I love that. Yeah. It goes back to what you said about being open-handed. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What makes you smile? Mm. So many things. I'm a very, I'm a very smiley person. I like smiling, <laughs> but that's probably a super dumb thing to say. But I, I love being with people. Really, I mean, 
my friends and family for sure, but I just, I love meeting new people. I love um, being out and, you know, making a new friend or talking to somebody about foster care or what's going on in their life. Um, I love being outside any chance that I get. I just spent four days in a hospital room without ever going outside. And so I'm really looking forward to that today. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that makes me smile and also a good meal of Tex-Mex. So good. So good. Mm -hmm. I was in Austin in August and I ate at Terry Black's barbecue. Is that right? Terry Black's? Yeah. Yeah, Uh Delicious. We loved it. We loved it. So good. Okay. And the last question has a little bit of an explanation. So Everyday Extraordinary is about everyday people doing truly extraordinary things with their lives. And I believe that every person has, like what you were talking about with the teen girls, every person has infinite worth and value and they are here for a specific purpose. When we show up as ourselves, contributing in the way that we were uniquely made to do so, we're all extraordinary. And so when I invite people on the podcast and they push back, well, I'm not extraordinary. I'll, I'll talk about whatever, but I'm not that extraordinary. I say, no, you are. And so I think we all need to work more towards owning our own extraordinary and how valuable we are. Because when we can do that, we can help other people do that as well. So I want to know, Hallie, what makes you extraordinary? I think what makes me extraordinary is that I can – take a lot of chaos and stress and sad situations and learn from it and be really thankful for it and then do it again. Mm. <laughs> um, because I, that has been the hardest part, I think, of foster care. And that's one thing when I talk to people about foster care that they're really, really worried about. And I understand that completely. But I think the ability to say, I'm walking in intentionally again to something that's going to probably end in a way that is really, really sad and hard and tragic and that I don't agree with. Um, it, it's a hard thing to do, but I think it's a really important thing to do. And, and I think I'm, I'm uniquely equipped, as are many of other people, but I, I think I have a way of doing that that doesn't leave me devastated for months and unable to do anything. I, I can get up the next day and find purpose and what I just did, even if it didn't end the way I think it should have, and then to sign up again, you know, and so I, I guess I'm, you know, sort of naively resilient in that, <laughs> in that way that I know I'm walking into, I know the next time I get handed a newborn, and even if that child is here long enough to call me mom, and, uh, you know, I see them start walking and talking, that they might one day be handed off by me to someone whether I agree with that or not, mm-hmm. I can do that over and over again and be excited about it and be ready to pour into another child. And so I think that is my answer to that. That is a fantastic answer. Fantastic. And I'm glad you've answered that call because not everybody has that in them and that's fine. They, they, everybody has something. And I think this makes you perfectly equipped for doing what you're doing with these children. They need you. I cannot just wait to see what the future holds for you. And like we talked about today, like, and who even knows what that looks like? <laughs> who even knows That's what tomorrow so will bring? I love it. Hallie, I think you are truly extraordinary. I want to thank you for taking the time on the heels of coming out of the hospital with your little one, taking the time to share this journey. I learned so much about the scope of the foster care system, and I just loved being inspired by the life that you're living. You're amazing. Uh, Thank you so much. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Have a wonderful day.
You too. What an encouraging conversation. I want to thank Hallie for taking the time to share her life's journey with us, to share her experience with foster care, and I hope that it has kind of opened your mind even further. And maybe it sparks something in you to want to become involved. Like we were talking about, even if you don't feel called to be a foster parent, I think very few people are, there are so many ways to get involved. It could be the birthday parties she talked about for the local care centers. It could be being a CASA mentor. It can be volunteering in different capacities at hospitals. There are so many opportunities to serve these at-risk communities Let's help in these preventative measures to solve the problems that inevitably happen later on with, you know, prison and incarceration and homelessness and all of these staggering statistics. It's not fair. It's not right. And let's do something about it. Everything is linked in pictures of Hallie. She is just darling and just amazing. And those are all over at the website that is now live, extraordinarymomspodcast.com still exists if you type that in, but then also we've kind of merged together everydayextraordinarypodcast.com as well. So if you type in either address, you will be able to find us there. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. You can find me on Instagram at jessicadalquist3 or on our podcast page at everydayextraordinarypodcast on Instagram. I'm so excited to bring you another extraordinary person next week. So thanks for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Share it on your social media and be sure to tag me. It means so much. All right, we will see you next week for another extraordinary episode. Bye.